Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Uh, it is the retro show and um, if you thought we were scraping the barrel last week, well, this week, <laughs> wow, Oxford, Reading and Peterborough. No disrespect to any of those teams, but those are the teams that the guys have got to come up with. Uh, some celebrity fans, some players that played for both teams, Newcastle and those teams. Um, yeah, we've got it all in store for you tonight as we come to the end, I guess, of the, the retro series. Uh, only a couple of more episodes to go. But as always, I'm joined by Mitch, by his dad, George, Stu, Steve's uh, on the bottom row as well. Good evening, lads. Good to see you. Good evening. Thank Steve. You. Okay, as always, we do uh, uh, around the table, around the clock, if you like, with uh, the guys uh, going over their uh, previous games that they've been to. And uh, George, as always, we'll let you go first. So what about you, George? Thank you, Steve. Um, first games, uh, Newcastle, Peterborough. In 2009, uh, Saturday the 7th of November, um, at uh, 3 o'clock at St James's Park, 43,067 in the ground. Um, I think I sent you the, the programme, uh, was the first thing I sent, and we won 3-1, and the next thing I sent was Jonas Gutierrez's goal. Uh, I felt it was worth showing his because they were rare, his hen's teeth, but, but they were always spectacular. Uh, and the, the next one, I think, was uh, it, it was stoke some <laughs> memories uh, because it was when rumours were out that Ashley was going to change the name of our ground. And this was fans bringing their, their homemade banners into the ground with, uh, to see what they thought about it. So um, it was a memorable occasion. It was quite a memorable match, actually. Uh, two teams playing uh, re- reasonably good football. Um, and I have to say, the Peterborough manager Darren Ferguson um, uh, lived up to the, his, his father's name by having the team did try to play football uh, uh, against us. Um, however, it was a it was a um, a match that we we won with uh, with some ease, three um, one. The first goal was uh, uh, by Jonas in fifteen minutes. Uh, a typical long run. Uh, and everybody just seemed to part, and he kept running and running until he slid it at the bottom corner. And then um, number two from Andy Carroll uh, on 18 minutes, a typical Carroll uh, header. Um, you know, he, he's another one of these headers like Vic Keeble used to be, another other famous uh, supermarket used, used to be. When they headed the ball, it was almost as hard as when they kicked it. It, it, it just rocketed into the net and made the, the net bulge, which for a header is not bad. And then uh, uh, Oxford, uh, sorry, uh, Peterborough Peter came back. Yeah, came back uh, at work for a while in the second half. But Danny Simpson calmed things down with a, a beautiful drive from the, the, the right-hand corner of the penalty area to make it 3-0. And then a lad called Keats uh, scored the Peterborough um, goal. Our team that day was Steve Harper, uh, Colaccini, Enrique Simpson, uh, Taylor, um, Nolan Guthrie, Gutierrez, Marlon Harewood, Alan Smith and Andy Carroll. And the uh, subs were Ryan Taylor, Peter Lovenkranz and Niall Ranger, would you believe, and uh, Chris Hutton as our manager. Um, I've looked at the the Red and uh, sorry the Peterborough United team 
uh, with interest because they had one or two characters in the team, one of whom we, we were um, uh, linked with for quite some time. And that was uh, a lad on, on the left wing called Michael Smith because everywhere he went, he seemed to score goals. Uh, and, I, and I do remember for a small, short while, well, not such a short while, I think the whole season, the rumours were that we were looking at this lad. Uh, and I had a look at him a bit more closely. And uh, what a character. He he, he um, started at Dagenham, went to Peterborough, went to Brighton Hove Albion, then to Peterborough, then to Brighton Hove Albion, then to Luton, then to Peterborough, then to Wickham, Notts County, uh, Wickham Wanderers, Stevenage, Wickham Wanderers, and back to Peterborough United. Well, I mean, what a career. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 clubs in a career of about 16 years. So that, yeah. sounds like, that sounds like the National Express coach out of Waterloo, yeah. that, George. But the interesting thing is, if you check, everywhere he went, he did score goals, which is why people were interested in him. And I think in his career... Um, he was he was better than a goal every two games, so uh, it's why people got interested in him. the The other one that I was interested in me because it was a footballer I liked, and I never understood why he didn't make it at one of the big clubs, and that was George Boyd, with the the sort of uh, um, attacking midfield player who played for Scotland, but actually was born in Kent, born in the Medway, but he obviously for his parents or grandparents, he was able to get picked for Scotland. But he was another uh, one who, who toured the country. Um, Peterborough United, Notts Forest, um, Stevenage, Peterborough United, Hull, Burnley, Sheffield Wednesday, Peterborough United, Salford City, Peterborough United. So he, he travelled the, the country as well. But it's interesting how he always kept coming back to Peterborough. So somebody at Peterborough, obviously one of the coaches at Peterborough, felt that uh, George Boyd was a, a good fit for them uh, and he stayed with them for quite a long time. Um, as I say, the, the game was uh, was an interesting one. They played some good football and so did we. Uh, and with 43,067 in the ground. And uh, it was, I think, the first time I had seen Peterborough United um, it has a family connection in the, uh, in the sense that uh, my cousin John, John Gillis, uh, was the archdeacon at Peterborough Cathedral. Um, had an interesting life, uh, John. He died about five years ago. Um, lived in School Street, Gateshead, and then eventually emigrated with his father to Billingham when his father got a job in the, uh, in the shipyard on Teesside uh, at Haverton Hill. And uh, he got into Yarm Grammar School and uh, eventually um, announced to the family he was going into the church. And all of a sudden, because he decided he was going to church, he seemed to take a, a slightly different elevation to the rest of wherever John said when, uh, because he was going into the church, it must, it must mean something. The rest of it were just ordinary plebs. Um, and uh, anyway, he, he stuck with it and he, he ended up, going to Oxford, to St John's College, Oxford. Now, for somebody from Teesside, from a shipyard family, to get into Oxford's uh, good enough, but he, he did it, in my view, 
the hard way. He knew his ear levels wouldn't get him in, so he volunteered to go for interview. So his interview must have been spectacular because he got offered a place while he was there, straight in, St. John's College, uh, to uh, study theology, obviously, four-year course. And in the fourth year, just before he was ordained, lo and behold, John happened to meet one of the females on the course uh, in, the, in the family way, which uh, kind of knocked the shine off his uh, off his uh, time in the priesthood. And uh, uh, he, he obviously was sent down. Uh, but then the girl, he, he, he and Jackie decided uh, they were getting married, getting married. But Jackie's father, Jackie's father happened to be... Happened to be Oh, I've got a, I've got an echo. Yeah, I've got an echo now. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, anyway, anyway, Jackie's father Jackie's was the father boss was the of boss of East, Eastern Electric. George, Electric. can I stop you there because that echo is not getting any you, better, mate. You've got it as well, Steve. That's stopped now. You. Right, okay. Our father was <laughs> head of East, East Electric, Electric, who spent a lot of money on research in Oxford. And he had a word with the dean of, uh, of, of the master of uh, St. John's College. And lo and behold, John got invited back uh, to finish his uh, course and, and get ordained. He decided he wouldn't go into the priesthood and started teaching and got a job in Peterborough Grammar School. And there is a football end, end to this story, by the way. <laughs> and uh, for years... I saw Jen into the story, for sure. Well, that was his brother-in-law. and, he, and the, you can I... The one that wanted to be a vicar and, and a brother-in-law that uh, uh, used to like going into the Thai massage parlours in Middlesbrough didn't get on very well. Anyway, <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, <laughs> he eventually went uh, and taught in Peterborough Grammar School. While he was there, he started to do some voluntary work in the cathedral. And eventually, as his teaching career came to an end, uh, the cathedral offered him a post as uh, archdeacon. And he took it up and he was there until he, as I say, until he died just a few years ago. However, we went to a, um, a family event at Peterborough at his home. Actually, it was his, his mother's funeral. It was Aunt Harriet's funeral. And, and what, why buried her in Peterborough when she lived in Gateshead, I don't know. But never mind. That's a, that really is a family argument, but never mind. Um, while we're there, John said to me, he says, uh, oh, if, if ever you come down to Peterborough... Uh, um, to a match with Newcastle, just let us know because Jackie's father's a director of, of Peterborough United Football Club. As you're telling me this now, I say, you know, all the years that the Peterborough and Newcastle have been playing, we're now not even in the same bloody division, and you're telling us to get, get tickets. It's a bit late, it's a bit late. We, we, we could have done with that information a little bit earlier, anyway. Um, you know, as I say, he, he ended his days as uh, Archdeacon of Peterborough Cathedral and uh. Uh, his wife Jackie and he has four four daughters, uh, three doctors and a vet. So I bet the conversation around the dinner table was interesting. Um, and uh, lovely kids, lovely lovely family. Um, the only other thing I'd say about John is is only one of the male grandsons who actually got the, the grandfather's genes right. Uh, the six foot two, uh, black stubble hair. Uh, broad shouldered guy, really, really nice looking fella. And uh, but as I say, he's uh, he's 
a path to the priesthood took a slight wobble, but uh, he recovered quite well after the end of it. So that's my first experience and story. Go, we've had everything there from four weddings and a funeral, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Going all around the houses with that one. But uh, great as always, George. Neil, uh, on to you, mate. Right, I'm going to swap the games I'm doing round. So, because right. it ties in with the game my dad's just talked about. I'll fast forward at the end of that season, to April 2010. And obviously, it's a season I talk about a lot because it's a season I love very much. Uh, I don't think, I think between all of us who used to go together, I don't think we missed a game that season uh, under Heaton. It was fantastic following them all over the country, going to places where we hadn't been for ages, and Peterborough was one of them. Um, it was one of those seasons, you know. Um, and interestingly, by the end of the season, Peterborough, for all of their, their good football, they were fighting relegation. Um, yeah. And at that time, we needed a win, and at three points, effectively tied up promotion. We'd put a gap between us and Forrest in third. Uh, we only had uh, West Brom to contend with, who could have caught with, uh, and we were in, in a in poor position to secure promotion. Uh, and But the thing that we were most excited about Going to Peterborough meant we could stand. They still had an away standing section. And that's all everybody could talk about on the way down. Well, I'm going to be standing today. It's going to be great. We're going to be standing. We're going to be standing. You know, it's just, it was the one thing everybody was really looking forward to when I bought the tickets for because it was going to be old school. We we're going to be standing and they weird and it was going to be mint. Um, thankfully, it, it was actually a really good game. And, and, like when we talked about Plymouth, what they did for us when they were down and we were champions and, and they did everything with such dignity. What Peterborough did was give them a really good game. They kept the whole competition honest. They could have quite easily have just taken a defeat. You know, they, they were pretty much... They, I don't think they were mathematically down, but I think they were everything else but down. And yet they still gave us a proper game of football in the proper way to try to play good football still. Um, and in fact, on 11 minutes, took the lead. Um, good move down the left, and uh, Williamson was left flat-footed, and all of a sudden, more one nil down. Um, and it took with the whole of the first half to really get ourselves sorted out. Uh, meanwhile, some of those who were looking forward to standing by 45 minutes were starting to get a bit pissed off about standing, and they were realising, yeah, maybe, maybe standing wasn't, wasn't everything it was made up to be. But that, that was another matter. Um, it didn't matter on 45 minutes when, bang on half-time, Nolan slotted in after a really super ball from Enrique. Um, second half uh, started really, really like a, like a train. Uh, obviously, Hutton had got into them. And after about 48 minutes, uh, what, uh, Joey Barton killed in a free kick. And it was a really good free kick at that. Uh, top corner. Keep had no chance and we're on my way. 60 minutes on the hour mark. Um, Shola Amiobi, of all people, hit a screamer from the edge of the area. Boy, was that a screamer as well. Um, and after that point, the game was done. Uh, we tried to play it out then. Uh, we probably just shifted into, into fourth gear and cantered. Um, we did did lose another goal late on to make it 2-3. Uh, but that was really irrelevant. Um, and at the end of the game, again, like Plymouth, the Peterborough fans, knowing that their club was down, um, did everything to congratulate us and applaud us for what we were doing in the, in, in the league and that that's another one of those days that sticks with you 
after the game coming out of the ground, Peterborough fans coming over, want to shake your hand, saying well done, good luck in the Premier League. It's something proper about football in that. Um, and something that I think very much is probably missing today. Yeah. You know, maybe that was the last of it. You know, we're talking about 2010. Uh, maybe in the last 10 years, a lot of that's gone. Uh, but certainly it was an enjoyable day out and made even more enjoyable by the attitude of Peterborough as a football club and a fan base to a, a team that was rattling away at the promotion. Great stuff and well said, mate. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Stu, on to you, mate. We've still got an echo with you, mate. So what's going on? What's going on? You got what? Every time we speak to you, our voice gets repeated and we can hear it. Shall I go out and come back in? I think so, yeah. We'll go to Steve Wilkinson. Steve, good evening, mate. Even Steve, even everybody. Um... I'm, I'm going to also talk about Peterborough, but uh, way back to when we first started playing Peterborough, and uh, one, of, one of my uh, my first games going, or oh, the early part of my career, 1965, and it was a, a League Cup game against Peterborough. Just before getting to that, Peterborough is a, is a relatively new team, um, just as a bit of background. They they actually joined the, the league in 1960, and it was, uh, it was a bit sad for the North East that year because... Uh, I think it was the season we got relegated, 59-60. Um, but it was also when Gateshead got kicked out of the league because uh, in those days, um, unlike now, the, the what is what is you know the fourth tier. Um, at, at the moment, the, the, whoever finishes as bottom of the fourth tier will get put down in the national league. In those days, um, you know there were lower leagues to go to, but you didn't automatically do it. There was actually an election. And uh, for most times, the uh, the bottom four teams got got re-elected. But on this occasion, for uh, you know, was it anti North East? I don't know. And Peterborough, almost a London team that uh, uh, Gates said, who who actually didn't even finish bottom. The 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 finished uh, third bottom, if I remember rightly, from looking at the the figures. Um, they they were they were voted out and uh, you know became a non-league team as they, as they still are. And Peterborough were elected to the football league to join in at the fourth division. Um, but they had a, they had a great start, and, and actually got promoted, and I think won the fourth division in the first season, and, and went up to Division Three. Now, when we played them in this game in 1965, we'd we'd actually gone up to the uh, the first division at that time for the season that we were talked about uh, in in past eras about games against Bolton when we won against two 0 and all that sort of thing. Um, so this was our 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 time back in the first division, which we'd also been down in the second division since the uh, 59-60 season. And uh, when 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 we have games, everybody, you guys, and and, and everyone listening will, will know that when we have games, there's there's certain different emotions come out from different situations. And uh, you know, like a winning and away game is is always great. And if you if you beat one of the big teams, as we will on uh, tomorrow night, of course, um, you know, there's an extra buzz about that feeling. Um, and defeats are the same. There's, there's certain defeats that you just say, well, you know, I'll be way expect to lose that game. Um, but when you lose against the lower league team, there's a there's an extra horrible feeling in you. In you. And this was the, my first experience to, to losing against a, a lower league team because uh, we played them in the League Cup, second round of the League Cup in, in the 65-66 season. We were up in the first division. Peter were in the third division. And uh, on paper, it was a... Um, it was it was a bank of home win, 
uh, played on a, on a Wednesday night, which was one of the things that why they brought the League Cup in because it, it had been a, it hadn't been in existence since about 1960 when it first started, and it was because a lot of grounds by then had floodlights, and uh, so that the, the the football league decided to start a competition where all the games would be played midweek, and that's that's still the case now, apart from the final, which is usually played on a on a Sunday. Um, so here we were playing playing Peterborough, a third division team at home. Uh, a, a, on paper, a banker, and we just didn't turn up on the night, and were were outclassed by this this Peterborough team. Um, they took the lead after seven minutes, goal from a, a guy called uh, Beasley, and then on on we equalised in the twenty fifth minute. Um, score scored by Albert Bennett. Now Albert Bennett had just joined the club from after we'd gone up, uh, and actually that he was the only signing we'd made going up from the second division to the first division. So this team that played that day, I'll just, I'll just read out the team that was there. Gordon Marshall and goal, Ollie Burton, Frank Clark, fullbacks, Stan Anderson, Bob Monker, Jim Eiley, and Trevor Hockey, Albert Bennett, Ron McGarry, Dave Hill, and Tommy Knox. That was pretty much the team that won promotion the season before, so we hadn't made a lot of changes to the team at that stage. And Albert Bennett was the only, only signing we'd made, but he scored the equalising goal. Um... But by half-time, um, Peterborough had scored two more. A goal got by Conway and Watson had given Peterborough a 3-1 lead. And, uh, you know, against what you expected. I, can't, I, I cannot remember the details of the game, but I just remember the atmosphere. We're thinking, we're losing. And we're losing heavily against a, a lower league team. It, you know, surely second half is going to come out. But it, 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 we pulled one back from, from Jim Eiley. Um, but straight away, within 10 minutes, uh, uh, Peterborough took it, scored again. It was fourteen, and and you just think you didn't know what was going on. The crowd were getting very restless. We pulled another goal back from Dave Hilly in the in the seventy ninth minute, but uh, couldn't get an equaliser or, or or anything better. So it ended up we lost the game three by three goals to four. Um, only sixteen thousand there that night. Again, the League Cup hadn't hadn't got the appeal at that time to, to attract a big crowd in. Um, although we're now we're a first division team, um, and that was out us out of the cup. But it, it certainly wasn't the end of Peterborough's success in the cup. Because just they actually ended up getting through the semi-final, and, and and emphatically as well. If you look at the games, that was the second round of the competition. In the, in the fourth round, they scored four again, beating Charlton four-three. In the fourth round, they played Millwall away, won four-one. In the quarter-final, they beat Burnley, who were a, a, a top team, four-nil, and then came up against West Brom in the, in the quarter in the semi-final. In those days, semi-final and final were played. Over two legs, like they are, like the semi-final is now, and uh, they lost. Um, they lost both games to West Brom, and and went out. West Brom went on to win it. So, but Peterborough, as a third division team, did really well that year. Um, you know, so while uh, while it was a humiliating defeat at the time, um, they, they were obviously a team in, in form and, and banging the goals in. So maybe after, in hindsight, it wasn't that bad a defeat after all. So that was that was my first game, uh, Newcastle three, Peterborough four, in September nineteen sixty five. Okay, cheers, Steve. Stu, how's your sound? Uh, sounds all right to me. I can hear everybody. That's better, mate. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm this better. time, so away you go. Right, perfect. Well, as you know, I like to be positive, but when these teams come out and you're talking about the lower league teams, it's it's quite obvious that we were a lower league team at the time to be playing them. So it's, you know, it's not normally from good seasons in Newcastle. And my first game is not Peterborough. I thought I'd book the trend, and it's a 4-3 win versus Oxford on the 19th of October, 1991. 
Now, if people think this current season is festive, then they couldn't have witnessed the 91-92 season, that's for sure. Uh, and if those who, those who can't remember it, they'll probably have tried the best to erase it from the memory banks because we finished our lowest ever league position. And we were bad. We were very bad. But fortunately for us, Oxford weren't that much better this day, so that's how we managed to win. Now, we'd won against Leicester the week before. So by beating Oxford in this game, it was the first time in the season that we'd won two games in a row. The, we only did it three times. The second time was in March, and it was against Cambridge and Swindon. Uh, but by this time, Keegan had taken over. And then the last time we did it was the last two games of the season, which everyone remembers, which was the Ned Kelly goal against Portsmouth, and then the Leicester away, which kept us up. So, back to this game. Um, we say we've, we, we nearly got relegated, as we know, on the last game of the season, and we were that close to falling into the abyss, weren't we? The, or Sunderland's League, as it's called now. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, but there was no like harassing players. There was no, although we booed at the games and stuff like that, that was it. You know, the, thankfully there was no social media in that year because I think they all would have been suicidal by the, by the time they uh, got <laughs> home and read what was written on it. So, anyway, we'll go to this game. It was one of the best games of the season. And the fact that we won made it one of the best games of the season anyway. But it was a real, I think the word or the phrase is humdinger. You know, it was end, end more like a basketball match. And the, the, after three minutes, due to not for the first time that season, some horrific defending from us. Uh, they went, Oxford have took the lead. But what we did lack in quality, uh, we did have determination. And Ozzy had some older players, but he was blood. At this time, he started blooding the youngsters in. So, because they were local, I think that kept the crowd on the side for a bit longer as well. Uh, so, 10 minutes later, we were level when Andy Hunt, for those who can remember him, he chested in the equaliser. And I'd have to stress, yes, chested. <laughs> How often do you see him will get chested? Yeah. And the back post, and out he goes with it. And, uh, we need good to me, mate. The ball would get stuck in here, wouldn't it? But see, he managed to chest it in, and, and off it went. So the uh, where were we? On the half hour, the star man we had in the team that t- at that part of the season was Gavin Peacock, uh, and, and each slot was ahead. So we went at the second half. Um, hold on, I've, I've written it down here because they took the lead again. No, literally, uh, yeah, they they, they equalised shortly into the second half. So that made the score Desmond. But literally a, li- a minute later, um, a young Lee Clark and Steve Howie, who uh, Howie was a year older, I believe, but uh, Clark, he was in his first proper season there. And he was growing into the game. And the two of them combined to put it on a plate for Gavin Peacock to score his second goal, which was very similar to his first one, to be fair. But again, Oxford equalised. Uh, we feel to uh, clear a corner. They get it in. There's 15 minutes left, and it literally could be anyone's game. But again, young Lee Clark showed his class in an injury team. He went on a mazy run, and he, uh, it's. I know we're talking about chips and lobs last week, but he, he dug out this cross, and it was like it was proper inviting. Peacock again took it home for his hat trick. So two wins in a row, uh, and sixteen and a half thousand was the crowd. And most of them went home very happy because Oxford didn't have many fans. But there's one thing I wanted to say to keep it positive. That game was exactly four years to the day prior to Newcastle beating Man United 5-0. And we were just about to get relegated in the old third division. And there's a four years later, so times can change and change quickly. 
So keep the faith, as we say. Yeah, keep the faith. Great stuff, great recollection. I've forgotten all about that game. It was a proper home dinger, uh, as you said. Um, Steve Hasty. Evening, guys. Right, well, <laughs> 26th of September, 1992. That's the game that I've picked. Uh, Newcastle United v Peterborough. Everybody loves Peterborough now, don't they? Um, but I'm going to have to take it back a couple of days. In fact, probably a week, because uh, what happened to us was that uh, my wife got taken into hospital. Uh, she was pregnant at the time. She was only just uh, six and a half, seven, seven months pregnant. And uh, she got taken in. And that kind of knacked the whole season, doesn't it? You know, when something like that happens, when you plan things, you know, when you plan for babies to be born during like sort of a gap in the season and this type of thing. So my whole, my whole life was starting to like, collapse around us, you know. This was like we're in the middle of a run. You know, we were, you know, this was like, this is ridiculous. This, this team's going places anyway. There she is in hospital. Uh, she shared a room with this other lad's wife, and uh, we got we got taken round. Uh, we were told that we we're going to have the babies in the next week or so. We got taken around and uh, shown the, the room where you were going to have the baby and all that type of thing, you know, the birthing room, and uh, like all these conversations on this Sunday afternoon. And uh, this lad just turns around and he goes, Can you pick and choose when you have your baby delivered? And uh, she said that, of course, the nurse was, well, you know, sometimes you can't, sometimes you can't, but your babies, it's, it's going to be awkward, you know, all right. He says, just, I can't, I can't, uh, I'm busy on a Saturday, you know, he says, I can't, I can't be coping with it, with it, like. So she goes, oh, we'll see what we can do. Anyway, next thing you know, the next morning, uh, the next evening I goes in and turns out that they, that lad's wife's had the bed and they're, they're you know, they're, that's it, you know, they're, they're moved to a different part of the hospital. Baby's in was was fine and they were discharged so when it come to the, the wednesday thursday we got our little visit from the consultant and she says oh you're gonna have to, this baby's gonna have to be delivered it's probably gonna be tomorrow this was like on the thursday night so uh i said uh all oh, right that's that's that sounds great you know and she goes uh, oh well, why i goes oh just there's a match on on saturday you know and she went all oh, right okay and uh, she like, look, and I goes, well, you, you arrange for this other lad, for his band to be born during the week. You know, that's the least you could do. And she goes, well, he was a professional footballer for Newcastle United, you know. You know, we couldn't muck up Kevin's season. And I'm going, well, I'm going to match. You can't muck up mine as well. So anyway, the Friday comes and uh, try as she might, uh, that little band did not come out. So at eight o'clock that night, the nurses said, look, we're going we're gonna to stop this and we're going to start again tomorrow. And I'm like, but it's Saturday tomorrow. We're getting the match. We're getting the match. <laughs> so that was that tie boshed. Anyway, the Saturday comes. Uh, I just remember we're sitting in the uh, in the in the room and uh, they're trying to induce the baby, and still nothing happening. And uh, so I just I had a little radio with us, and uh, batteries were running out. So I says, "Can I plug my radio in?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah." So I plugged the radio in for one o'clock, and you get radio in your castle starting and. There's like I think BBC Five Live and you're listening to the listening to the build up of the matches and stuff like that, you know. And uh, of course, Wallace is just lying there, you know, trying to be induced with this Ben. And I shouldn't say it like that, should I? I'm gonna get shot down in flames by people. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it gets to it gets to half past three, and this uh, the game's on. I'm listening to the commentary. I, I forget who the commentary was, but I'm listening to the game. And uh, the nurse comes in, she goes, excuse me, would you mind uh, unplugging the radio? And I said, uh, well, uh, I'm listening to the match. And she goes, oh, it's just we need the plug. So I went, well, have you not got another plug? You know, it's a big room. And she's going, uh, Mr. Hasty, we need the plug. 
And I went, well, what for? She goes, for the incubator, for your baby. It's going to be here in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, right, okay. So unplugs the... Could have waited a half time, Steve. Again. I know, exactly. <laughs> I, I've actually got it written down. It was uh, 1538 she was born, right? Yeah. So that, that was it. So, I mean, talk about speed. It was half past three when I was told to unplug it. By 1538, the band's out. And she's in the incubator. And me and her are being fr- rushed along the special care while they sort my wife out, you know? So Eddie comes back and uh, the first thing you want to do is like obviously ring your folks. Oh God, the Ben's been born. And tell them that. And uh, then, I, then I rings me mate Tony, who I go to the match with, who most of you know. And uh, Tony, I says, Tony, she's had the Ben. He goes, I can say, he goes, is anything you can tell us? He goes, I guess, what's, what's the score by the way? He goes, 1-0, Sheedy, just scored. The 60th minute, I went, what? No, the game. Now we're into the match. So this was the famous game that you see on 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 social media. That that amazing. I mean, they talk about they talk about limbs now, but I mean, when that ball goes in, when Kevin Sheedy picks a ball up on the inside left position, and this is the only way I can remember it is from that view from behind the goal, as though I was there, but I wasn't. When he gets the ball in the inside left position and he chips over Bennett, who was a former Newcastle player at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he knocks it into the far corner, and everybody just cascades. And you, it it wasn't until years later that I saw that little film clip, and it just brings back all the memories of of that particular day. The team itself that we went out with was was uh, Tommy Wright, Barry Venison, John Beresford, Liam O'Brien, Kevin Scott, Steve Howie, Rob Lee, Mickey Quinn, David Kelly. Happened to be the player who was the one whose Ben managed to get born in the midweek and not at the weekend. Uh, Lee Clark and uh, Kevin Sheedy. And on the bench, we had uh, Kevin Brock, and uh, who became a perennial on the bench for most of that season. Brian Killakilkline, just to sort the changing room out, you know, if there was any bother. Or to, to look after Kevin if there was any bother on the coach on the way out or on the way back. Um, so that was that was the game. Um, it was, it was a, I've got it, something else I've got written down here that I'll just to read out. 7,000 travelling fans watch our seventh win of the season. Um, and it was it was described by Ian Bennett, uh, sorry, by, by Chris Turner, regarding Ian Bennett. Uh, Bennett played the game of his life, the biggest game in our history. That was how it was described at the time by Peterborough. But uh, just to close the bit, that little baby that was born on the 26th of September 1992, We'll be looking after Mr. Penman on Friday when he flies back yep. to the UK <laughs> on Emirates Airlines. Uh, she's arranging him for a special seat. And I've, I've explained to her, or she's explained to me, that she said, Stewie, she will be making sure you get free drinks all the way there. Or all the way home. Well, that could be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I did explain to her that they're free anyway, pet. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, it makes us feel old knowing that uh, she was born that day and I was uh, at that game. Brilliant stuff, that Steve. It, you know? <laughs> great story, great memories. I was can, at that game I, as well. Can I, add, can I add something to that game, which I think uh, you might remember? Uh, anybody like us were there. That was the game. I think when when you Steve, when you talked to Malcolm Dix and John uh, John Hall, and he, yeah. and he talked about um, going across the car park. I, I was there in the car park. I remember it and, and seeing how the the fans just stopped the traffic and then yeah. and said just John Hall, and it was like like God walking through the. The crowd they just stopped all the traffic, and and uh, John Hall couldn't believe it. And I remember him talking about that when he when you did that interview. It was amazing, it was amazing, amazing time. 
Amazing yeah. time. I mean, we're, I mean, we're was, walking was, on cloud nine. There was 14,000, just over 14,000 at that game and 7,000 of when you're Castle fans. We took the place over. I just remember walking through the seats. It was like like being, it was my first experience of an away game where we were walking through the city centre and it felt as if we were in Newcastle city centre. It was absolutely... We couldn't get in any of the bars though. They didn't want any Newcastle fans in the bars that we were trying to get into. But uh, good day. And of course, you could just get straight up at the station and, and, you know, more or less you were at the ground at London Road. So... Yeah. Good times, good times. Uh, okay, thanks to the sponsor, Spider VPN. Google Spider VPN, they come up at the top of the search list for all your internet security. They are the boys to trust. Thank you for your sponsorship. And skipsandbins.com, telephone 0800 2545 2523. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks also to LNG Family Funeral Directors, 0191 and Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD, Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists, www.thegohd.com. Thanks also to Arcot Interiors, who are based on Heaton Road for all your kitchen needs. Give them a shout. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and the makers of our website, nufcmatters.com. Thanks uh, also to Jab Signature, jabsignature.com. Co.uk. Subscribe to the channel, hit Newcastle Legends logo, and uh, like the hundred or so who've already done that this week, you can become a subscriber. Hit the thumb up to like the channel, click share to share your social media, and drop into the comments box to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans or to pose a question. We're also available on uh, iTunes and Spotify and other podcast providers, and uh, you can usually hear the programme within 24 hours of the show being broadcast live. Don't forget, Food Bank um, Match Day Bucket is still up and running. You can make a donation. Any UFC fans, foodbank.co.uk. Make your donation digitally uh, at any time during the year. Every penny counts, especially at this time of year. And uh, a couple of events coming up, uh, COVID permitting, of course. Peter Beardsley still on sale for the 30th of January on Groupon and Woucher. That's at the Time Theatre. It's a Sunday afternoon and we don't have a game that day. So get yourself on to uh, Groupon or Woucher to buy your tickets for that. And a couple of events early January at the Irish Centre, both 12 quid. Uh, entry for these, Mick Mahoney, and Steve Watson on the 14th and the 28th of January at the Irish Centre. So get your tickets for those events if you want. And a couple of Christmas ideas for books. The Pavel Cernicek book is still available, um, as is Every Boy's Dream. Pop into the back page, St Andrew Street or in uh, the Metro Centre, and you'll be able to pick up those books or something else as a Christmas present for a loved one. So uh, don't forget Support the back page. They do need uh, as much support as they can get through this busy time. George, back to you for your second story. Thank you, Steve. Well, it was a toss-up, this second one for me, with uh, whether it was Oxford or, or it was Redden. And I'd, I decided on a Redden game simply because it was a, a fantastic game. Um, uh, to pinch Stu's uh, phrase, it, 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 this was a humdinger as well. Um and Redden made were fight for this game, and it was the second of sixth uh, of December in in '06 season, uh, 2006 season, uh, uh, and it was a, a Wednesday, um, 48,182 in the ground, and uh, we kicked off with uh, given Peter Ramage, Taylor, um, Bobby Aro, Solano, Emery, Enzogia, uh, Milner, Butt. Martins and Subieski, 
and the sub was a, a lad called Rossi who, who was with them for a while with Glenn Roder as the manager. Um, Redden were um, big and strong, very quick, um, hard tackling, but uh, um, had one or two really dainty players in the team who uh, uh, who ticked them over. But they also had some hard-working players. Um, a lad called Sidwell, who again was a player for a short while, we... Uh, Newcastle looked at when we were short of people in midfield. I mean, he, he was uh, um, he certainly made his mark in this game for them. Uh, the, the forward lane had uh, a lad called John Oster in it, who was who'd had a quite a, a, a fascinating career, to be honest. And I'm going to talk about him later. And of course, uh, the other one that I was interested in was a fullback who, again, we looked at for some while. But didn't know anything about it. Called Nicky Shorey. Um, anyway, the game the game uh, got off to a good start, uh, quite a quick start, end to end stuff. And on the twenty third minute, Subieski uh, put put us in, in the lead. Um, but we made the mistake of, and, and it's not the first time Newcastle have done this, of sitting back and thinking, well, that's the job done. And then a, a centre forward for them called Harper rattled in two in the space of six minutes. Um, and uh, we found ourselves just before half-time going in 2-1 uh, down. And then the game uh, opened up again in the second half, end-to-end stuff. And uh, Emery broke through and was just about to score when he was pulled down by the same Nicky Shorey that I've just talked about. And we got the penalty. And, of course, who took the penalty? But Oba Fabi Martins. And what a penalty. He he was must be one of the hardest hit, hitters of a ball we've had at Newcastle, because he, he hit the penalty, it hit the bar, and nearly took the goalpost out of the ground, and then it rattled around in the back of the net for what seemed like forever before it eventually settled down, but it it put we back in the equaliser, and then just before the fight at eighty five minutes, um, Emery assured his class by uh, taking a free kick from outside the penalty area over the wall in the top right-hand corner, and uh, that was us winning 3-2. Now, Emery was, of course, a Turkish international, and uh, one of the people who used to come to with us, Neil and, and our crowd at the match in those days, was my friend uh, Mehmet Atla, Professor Mehmet Atla, uh, who was a Turkish professor that worked with me in the university for a long time. And uh, Mehmet knew Emery very well, and uh, so... Um, on a couple of occasions, he persuaded Emery after training to come into the university and he'd walk into a classroom with Emery behind him. And of course, a lot of the students were football fans. So once he did that, that was the end of the lecture because all they wanted to do was to get the autograph and, and talk to Emery. The other thing we used to get out of it was uh, uh, Emery and Mehmet, between them, knew all the Turkish restaurant owners around Newcastle. So we used to get lots of... Uh, Nice uh, Turkish food at uh, knockdown prices. If we went into these restaurants, uh, th there's a one still open on the on Benton Road in in, uh, in North Tyneside called Lizette, uh, which uh, is a, a brilliant restaurant. So if ever you're in that part of uh, Newcastle, um, give them a look in. You're disappointed. So that that was Emery. It was a class lad. Um, the other thing, as I say, I wanted to talk about some of the, the characters in the team. Uh, we looked at Nicky Shorey, and uh, Nicky Shorey was a was a in demand, to put it mainly. But 
this is Nicky Shorey's career. Leighton Orient, Redden, Villa, Forest, Villa, Fulham, Villa, West Brom, Redden, Bristol, Pompey, uh, a year in India at uh, City Pune uh, Club, um, Colchester, and then back to Redden. And that's uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 clubs in a 16-year career. But during 2010, he went from Villa to Fulham to Villa to West Bromwich Albion. I mean, my God, what a what a, a complex uh, way to live your life, but uh, uh, clearly in demand. And as I say, for, for at one stage, we were very interested in. And if you think he was bad, what about uh, John Oster, who uh, went from Grimsby to Everton, and at Everton they, they, they hailed him as a as a as a young up and coming star. Uh, not for long, he ended up going to Sunderland, then Barnsley, back to Sunderland, back to Grimsby, back to Sunderland, back to Grimsby, back to Sunderland, then Leeds, then Burnley, then Redden, then Palace, Doncaster, Bournemouth. Uh, Gated and then eventually back to Redden. So he's another one who, to say this travel, is putting it mainly. Uh, and, uh, you know, if one, two, three, four, four aims with the Mackhams. I mean, that kind of do you any good, can it? Um, anyway. Um, <laughs> and then when you look at the subs as well, there was a guy who used to fascinate me because he was a, a really, really good defender, hard worker, Leroy Lita. Uh, and he, he's another one who's had boots with travel. This is this is Leroy um, from uh, for his career. Bristol City, Redden, Charlton, Redden, Norwich City, Redden, Middlesbrough, Swansea, Birmingham, Swansea, Sheffield Wednesday, Swansea, Brighton, Swansea, Barnsley, Notts County, Yeovil, and 2016, back to Redden. So in 14 years, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 clubs in 14 years. Well, wow. Yeah, I mean, you must have something. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> likes them somewhere. But what, what, a, what a life to have. However, if you do think about the other way, if he was got even a little signing on fee when he joined these clubs, he's going to be a rich man, wasn't he? Um, so anyway... Um, the game was great. It was, it was uh, um, really hard fought by Redden uh, and, and Newcastle did well to come back. Um, and Lowy didn't score. Um, I've got to mention that the man of the match for me actually was uh, was Milner. James Milner was was the outstanding hard worker in midfield uh, and he, he made all the plays and, and set things up nicely. Uh, and, and him and Emery between them uh, cut Redden apart when, when they chose to. So that that's my second game. Lee Redden win three two. Thank you. Good, good stuff, George. Great stuff. Uh, okay, Mitch, under you. Okay, my my second game is also against Redden. It's an FA Cup fourth round replay uh, on the thirty first of January nineteen ninety. Um, two things stand out for games against Redden for me that season, and that's they were all crackers. They were all nuts. We played them earlier in over two legs in the League Cup and lost 3-1 away from home and then beat them 4-0 at home to go through 5-3 on aggregate. Um, and then in the FA Cup, we got them in the fourth round and we drew 3-3 three, three 
about three days before this tie, um, two of their goals came from horrendous back passes of, of ours. Uh, the, 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 the second one being right on full time. So we were expecting a bit of a humdinger. The other thing I remember about Redden that season, they dropped that traditional hoops and they were wearing a, yeah. a, an old blue, like a sky blue with royal blue. And I'm sure that's around about the time they were trying to tout the merging of Oxford and Redden to create Thames Valley Royals. I'm yeah. not sure about my, my dates on that one, but I suspect it was tied in with that. Uh, you know, we're talking about Oxford and Redden today. Yeah. And they, for people who don't remember or don't know, there was a time when there were serious discussions about merging the two teams to form one team that would have been known as Thames Valley Royals. And I think most of that push was coming from the Redden side. Um, so that's the two things I remember about Redden that season. This game um, was equally as bonkers, but in a better way for us. Uh, we ran out 4-1 winners. Um, I just remember with turning it on, I remember Roy Aitken having a cracking game. Uh, he set up the first goal for Mark McGee in about 10 minutes and then brought down a Simpson cross to set McGee up for the second on 20. Uh, and, and that just set the pattern for the game. Redden really, in the first half, couldn't get a kick. Second half, uh, McGee hit the post just about straight from half-time. Uh, and it was Mickey Quinn who made it 3-0 on 55 minutes. Um, on 87 minutes, Redden managed to get a goal back. They sort of clawed their way back into the game. And then um, I think it was uh, Darren Robinson on as a sub got the, got the fourth in the injury time. And that was a sweet cross shot across the keeper into the bottom corner, if I remember rightly. Um, and it was... Uh, it was again one of those games that went, and I think Steve's talked about this most of all of us about how we get in the cup and we get to a certain point in the cup and we start to get really, really excited. And we were all getting really excited after that game, and we got even more excited when the fifth round draw brought an inform Manchester United to St James's Park, and it was a game picked out by match of the day to be on the telly on the Sunday. Um, we ended up losing the game 3-2, but we gave a fantastic account of ourselves. And, and it was sort of setting the hopes for what we hoped was going to be the future. And obviously that season, we didn't go up. We lost to Sunderland in the playoffs. It didn't really go according to plan. Uh, but that game in particular was a real cracker. One, I remember getting the feeling the cup of fever start to spread around. And like I say, we played Redden four times that season. And between the four games, um, there was, what, eight, 15 goals. So, um, for some reason, Redden seemed to bring the best and worst out of us. Uh, but at least we went through one in this cup on a replay. Um, and that's my second game. Great was memories the, of that sorry, game yeah. as well. Great memories of that FA Cup game as well. You know, but yeah. with, um, you know, with the, you know, the big crowd. And um, as right. you say, we, we hope we're going to get a result, but we didn't. Go on, George. Wasn't it the, the bloke that stadium's named after Medeski? Wasn't he the bloke that tried to get the merger going? I think so. I think so, yeah. 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 Had it been tried a bit earlier with, with uh, Robert Maxwell? From the Oxford side, yes. Yes, yes. yes. 
Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, um, the other thing about that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The other (laughs) thing about that game that that obviously I remember is the Gerald Sinstat, of course, the late great Gerald Sinstat, who passed away recently. Um, I think it was only a couple of weeks ago that he uh, he passed away. It's actually outside the ground doing the interviews um, with Newcastle fans as the crowd was building up to the game. And um, on that particular occasion, I went to the game. Um, but I decided, because obviously Mickey Quinn at that time was my hero, I decided to go and dress up as Mickey Quinn. I had the tash on and everything. I think I've Was it that it game, up. was it? That was the game itself, yeah. Uh, I, um, I actually went with a guy called... Um, I actually went along with a guy called Steve Cross, who was from Scunthorpe. Great lad, uh, who at the time was helping us with the uh, the Newcastle fanzine. And um, when the second goal went in for Newcastle, he dislocated his arm. Um, and I just remember listening back to the like watching back on the footage because he ended up going to St John's ambulance tent um, and then ended up going to hospital. And as the game's panning out towards the end, Newcastle are losing 3 2. And there's an announcement comes over the Tanai on the match on the actual videotape that I've still got. Um, and he's, he's actually his name's actually announced. Could Steve, could Steve Wraith please come to the first tent? <laughs> actually, I've just found it. Uh, this is this is the little bit of footage. Hold on. Classic. Not the best. Not the best. Not the best audio, but uh, yeah. God, I was a shock dresser back in them days with a suit on and that. Uh, going to the match, wasn't even going in the corporate. I was going in the gallery. <laughs> Uh, but I have Cheers for reminding us of that, which I forgot I'd actually got a little clip of that sent to us by my dad the other day as well. So great. Brilliant. Stuff. All right, Stu, on to you for your second game. Uh, my second game is 15 months after the one I've just talked about. So fast forward from October 91 to January 1993. And this time I am talking about Peterborough. Uh, if the previous season was one of despair, uh, this one was full of exhilaration. Eye on fairy tale stuff, wasn't it? The promotion season under Keegan, and the the turnaround in performances, results, and expectations were just through the roof. So the first goal come on the half hour when uh, Gavin Peacock uh, dummied the player on the left hand side of the box, and he put it across across the six yard line, and that that just screamed hit me. So Rob Lee just obliged and. Uh, Nelly swore there, knocked it into the net with a bit of uh, with a bit of oomph, shall we say? Uh, it, was, it was a really good goal, quick goal, and it, we deserved it because we were dominating the game. And the, the next one didn't come until uh, I think it was about the seventieth minute or so. But again, it was Rob Lee, and he had this trademark of running late from similar to the goals that Willock was scoring last season uh, for younger people where he would make the run, the ball would get flicked on, and he'd end up being one-on-one with the keeper after making this 20-yard run as if no one could see him. And the way he used to just dispatch it, it was like with unerring accuracy, it would just go straight the, like, above the keeper but into the net as the keeper tried to like uh, cover himself. So that ended the game as the contest, and then it was, it, was, it was David Kelly that had flicked the ball through for him. So Kelly himself then got his goal that his performance deserved. And with a diving header at the back post, uh, and again, Gavin Peacock was excellent that day. And he, he looped a crossover for Kelly to to knock it in. Now, I know we've mentioned on this programme many times that uh, Kevin Keegan's 
signing, most valuable signing in terms of what it, the gift to the club was uh, Brian Kilkine, Killers, his contribution. And it was critical to our survival that season. Uh, but Aussie's best signing come, it was in the December the previous year, and that was David Kelly in 91. And I think sometimes he gets um, overlooked for the not just his 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 goals, but his his performance and and his non-stop running and his his intelligence because him and him and Peacock together were really intelligent footballers and they, and they both had an excellent eye for goal as well. But uh, David Kelly, you know, he he would do the hard work. He was like Paul Goddard pre the, like from the previous uh, teams, but he could finish the ball as well. And and it was it was great to watch him. And it was fantastic that we ended up getting promoted and he got a hat-trick on the last day. So, if, if we look at it and then do you think the transformation between this season and the last season uh, and that, you know, you're talking, like as I said, in just 15 months of transformation of the team and that's without um, being the richest club in the world. You know, all it needs is a bit of hope, a bit of togetherness and, you know, the dreams are reality there, aren't they? And, if you look at the game I've just talked about now, strangely, we went on the run where we didn't win from, that was when the 16th of January, we didn't win again until the end of February, which was the Tramia game that I talked about last week. So, and we still walked away with the league at the end. So, just keep the faith, good times are coming. And that's, that's the way I say it. Great stuff. Steve Wilkinson? Right, well, I'm, my uh, second game's from the same season that uh, George and Mitch turned, talked about earlier on, the 2009-2010 uh, season, when we uh, went up under Chris Hutton. And uh, it, was, it was the first home game of that season. We played in Reading on the 15th of August. And uh, just to set the scene at that time, um, it, was, it was only a few weeks earlier that we'd played that infamous game against Leighton Orient, the friendly, when we lost 6-1, and it was a sort of wake-up call. Um, so we're... we're we're sort of getting ourselves sorted out from that. It was also, sadly, um, only a couple of weeks since uh, Sir Bobby Robson passed away. And uh, the start of this game started with a... Probably got the atmosphere going right with a with a with one of the one of the best minutes applauses. And I, I think it could have gone on for ages, just people didn't want to stop the minutes applause for, uh, for Sir Bobby at the, at the start of that game. But I think it, it helped to, to build an atmosphere. And it, it was a... Galvanised the team, I think, into what, what turned out to be a a good performance and a 3-0 win. And a 3-0 win as a result of three goals from Shola Amiobi. Uh, he's one and only ever hat-trick for Newcastle. Um, Shola, I think, is a, over the years, is a, he played uh, nearly 400 games for the club, one of the, the, the longest-serving uh, players right from uh, the apprenticeship. He actually went to school with uh, the son of one of my um, one of my mates. And, and I think he, he wasn't the best player then, but he... He obviously developed and, and improved in his uh, his, his uh, time in the academy, and and uh, made made a good start in, in the the ju junior teams. And Newcastle even got into England under twenty one. So although he he never got a full international cap, and and uh, ended up uh, playing international games for his his native uh, Nigeria. Um, but this game, um, as I say, it it, it was a. It was a thirty-six thousand crowd. We were in the second division, so it was it was down on what we'd had, but it was uh, it was the start. And by the end of the season, we're back up to the mid to forties. Um, and it was uh, it was also at the time, interesting, uh, given what we've, we've seen in recent months, is that there was a lot of speculation about a takeover being done 
2009-2010. Who would have believed it would have taken 10 years? Um, and actually, he was at the game. And, uh, you know, but he, uh, he, he saw at this time that they, the, the, the team were, were going to put an effort in. Um, the three goals that, that Shola scored were, just give you, the, give you the team for that day as well, just before we go on to it. Uh, Steve Harper in goal, Ryan Taylor at fullback, Stephen Tiller, Colacini, um, Jose Enrique left back, Kevin Nolan, Joey Barton, Alan Smith in midfield. Jonas Gutierrez on the left, Shola and Andy Carroll up front. Quite a quite a decent team, you would think. And with having those two big guys up front, it was all about getting the crosses in. And, and the goals came, all of them from from crosses. Uh, the first goal in uh, in, in the um, I think it was the uh, what, what was it thirty uh, eighth minute? I think it was. Um, I think I've talked about this the previous time. I always enjoyed. Jose Enrique and um, Gutierrez going down the left wing and overlapping. And this was a, another typical attack like that. Um, Jonas had the ball, put Enrique in, he went and clipped a beautiful uh, cross that you would, you, you, you're just waiting to head it in. Um, and uh, it, it was Shola of the two. You, you might have thought Andy Carroll was probably the more prolific header of the ball, but it was Shola who stole it at the back post and hit a downward header and it, it sort of bounced in and, and, and uh, deceived the keeper. And, and went in. That gave us a, a one nil half time, half time lead. Uh, in the sixty first minute, um, similar goal, but it was from the other side this time. Um, we would got a, a, a ball was running out of play, and, and uh, Kevin Nolan chased after it, and he, and he laid it back. This time, Ryan Taylor, another fantastic uh, outswinging cross, and, and Shola met it perfectly, and uh, and headed in his second goal. And uh, a little bit later on, he actually nearly scored again. There was a corner. Joey Barton took the corner, and the keeper had to make a fantastic save. Or he nearly got a he nearly got a hat trick of headers. Um, but in the in the seventy first minute, um, we actually got a got a penalty. Uh, a, a corner was taken by Joey Barton, went way over the far side, and and it was it was probably not in any danger area. But uh, Shane Long, who uh, as you know has, has gone on to play for various clubs, including Southampton. Um, in his time, I, I used to like Shane Long. I always thought he'd give it, give a lot. And uh, for some reason, he was back defending and uh, handled the ball, got a penalty, and it was down to the shoulder to bang in the penalty and, and end up getting the hat trick. And um, he, uh, you know, obviously, that was that was a, a fantastic achievement by him. And, and uh, over his time with Newcastle, he was he was a great servant. He's currently loan, he's the loan ranger or whatever you might want to call him, whether that's a, a job that'll carry on in the future and the, how, we, how we reshape the team. But the, that was that set us on our, our way to what ended up being a, a successful season, getting back into the uh, Premier League after, at the first attempt of going down. Um, let's not repeat it. <laughs> That's my second game tonight. Good stuff. OK, on to you, Steve Hastie. <clears throat> right. Well, I've, I've picked the game the uh, same season as the previous one. Um, this game was notorious for being known as the After the Lord May Show game. It was a Thursday night in May. Um, it was 48 hours after we'd beaten Grimsby to, to get promotion. And uh, we had this rearranged game against Oxford to contend with before we then had the big party, which was going to be on the Sunday with everybody <coughs> who, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure remembers, which was the 7-1 game that, that Stewie's mentioned earlier when we beat Leicester. 
But uh, this was a Thursday night, very unusual at St James's Park to be there on a Thursday. There was still 29,438 turned up. Um, but to say it was subdued would be an understatement. And to say that Oxford came out uh, with all guns blazing uh, wouldn't be an understatement because it did. And quite frankly, they gave a run around for about the first hour. Um, it was though I had a hangover or something like that. I don't know. Maybe we'd celebrate a little bit too much down at, down at Grimsby. Uh, the fans were a bit like that, but so were the players. There was a number of opportunities, to, but we just seemed to be totally off key uh, during this game. And what's also unusual about this game is that uh, Kevin Keegan wasn't there. He hadn't walked out or anything like that, but he'd taken ill and uh, he had a he had a stomach bug, so he left the ground before kickoff. And uh, we ended up winning two one. I have to say that now because I've, I've picked up a little quote from the newspaper, which I thought was just typical Terry McDermott. Uh, Terry said that um, uh, right, Kevin was passing Washington when our first goal went in. He was at Peterborough when the second one, uh, Peter Lee when the second one went in. And he goes, and then when Oxford pulled one back, that's when he crashed. So that was typical <laughs> Terry Mack, giving you a little synopsis of how he felt the game went. Um, but uh, we, didn't, we didn't get anywhere until the 61st minute when Gavin Peacock came on. He replaced Paul Bracewell in midfield and would missed Peacock for the previous 12 games. He had been injured, he'd been out in that, in that whole run-up. With, and he had been a vital cog in, in, in that team up until then with his, with his goals and, and everything that he, else that he supplied. Um, but in the 70th minute, uh, there was, uh, we, we, we managed to go ahead with a goal by Lee Clark. Uh, in the 78th minute, we went 2-0 up. Uh, Andy Cole, uh, if you want to know the stats, this was, bearing in mind, Cole hadn't made his debut until March for Newcastle. This was his ninth goal in 10 games. That's how prolific Andy Cole was that season. God, was he prolific the following season when you, between yeah. him and Peter Beardsley, I think they scored, what, 40-odd goals, didn't they? And you know, probably more. Do you know, do you know um, what, do you know, do you know what, lads? Is, is, is that not part of David Kelly's problem? Was he was after Quinn? And before Cole, yeah, and everybody wants to talk about the two way they're side of him, and he gets kind of lost in the middle. And what he was, what Kelly was, was and, and Stewie, I think that's what Stewie was alluding to. He was a hundred percent who covered every blade of grass. He did the running for anybody. He would run no matter who the striking partner was. He wouldn't take the hoof, whether yeah. it was Quinn or his Cole or anyone. He was always there. He was all you could always rely on him. Um. It was, I think it was the 20th of March when Cole made his debut. He came on against Swindon in, in, a, in a defeat and then he, he made his debut on the 20th of March. And so now by May, he scored nine goals in 10 games. It's re- remarkable. Um, but uh, having Peacock back, um, it sort of set the scene. They, they, they scored a minute after we went 2-0 up. Um, Oxford with a, with a nice uh, little goal. But, I mean, the party was the following week. This was really uh, the, the after the Lord Mayor show um, in terms of the fact we'd been promoted and we wanted to celebrate, but you cannot celebrate on a Thursday night, can you? You have to wait until the weekend. So that was my, that's my game, Steve. Uh, rounded off uh, Oxford United and probably rounded off uh, with one game to go, but we've already done Leicester. That 1992-93 season. Yeah, great, st- great stuff, lads. Some great recollections. And again... 
these games you think are going to, you, you know, these teams you think you're going to struggle with, to be honest, in getting any content. You've actually done yeah. wonders. So well done, lads. Been great, uh, great to hear the, the recollections and the stories again. Uh, as always, uh, we now finish off with a little bit of fun, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, teasers. And we'll start with players who played for both teams or managers that manage teams. Uh, here we go. Tony, isn't it? Ivan, Ivan Tony. Tony. Yeah. Ivan Tony, yes. Yeah. Just cele- celebrating another hat trick the hell had. <laughs> That's Kevin Dillon. Kevin Dillon, Kevin Dillon isn't it? Uh, yeah. Being there as a player, being there as a manager um, at Redden, and of course the man who uh, never scored for Newcastle when I put my yeah. bet on his first score and then went to Redden and scored on his debut. So, yeah, Kevin Dillon. <laughs> Alan Pardew. Pardew. Alan Pardew, and he's uh, one of his earlier managerial roles. Kevin Brock. Kevin Brock. Kevin Brock. Oxford. Kevin Brock. Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren. Oxford midfielder then. Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale. A very young Dwight Gale there, guys. Is it? Steve Clark. Steve Clark. Steve Clark. Steve Clark. Mark McGee. Mark McGee. Mark McGee. Andy Cole. Andy Carroll. Andy Carroll. Danny Guthrie. What a head that is, by the way. Yeah. I thought it was your moustache from that video. <laughs> Simpson. Paul Simpson. Oh, uh, yeah. Mike, Mike Williamson. 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 Yeah. Jim Smith. Jim Smith. My goodness. Oh. We've gone into the um, we've gone into the fans there. Sorry, guys. So that was the players, celebrity fans. David Bowie, is it? Very, very like David Bowie, but it's not. I didn't think he was one of them. That was like... no. I'm going to have a guess. I'm going to have a guess here. It's just with the eyes. Ricky Gervais. Correct. Well done. Oh, yeah. Well yeah. Hell. Yeah, yeah. Check the eyes. Jim Rosenthal. Jim Rosenthal, yeah. Jim Rosenthal, another uh, well known commentator, of course. Yeah. That looks like Kate Winslet. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Well, yes, really? it is. <laughs> Oxford, yeah, Oxford fan. Well, I just. Well, the rules just stopped. Oh, that's the bloke off Talk Sport. Uh, Adrian. Adrian Durham. Adrian Durham. 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 Adrian Durham. Tarrant. Chris Tarrant. Chris Tarrant. Chris Tarrant. Chris Tarrant. Tim Hedman. Tim Hedman. Tim Hedman. Tim Hedman. Richard Branson. Richard Branson. Branson. A young Richard Looks Branson. Looks like Mike Myers, doesn't it? <laughs> Does I? <laughs> Timmy. Timmy. Oh, Timmy, Timmy Mallet. Timmy Mallet. Timmy Mallet. And last but by no means least. Is it Woody Harrison? It is Woody Harrison. Yeah, Harrison. Yeah. Clean sheet on that, Steve. 
<laughs> Clean sweep on the players and on the celebrities, guys. Uh, okay, George, we'll come to you for your team. Or teams. Right. Uh, this is the me Oxford offering. Um, Steve Hardwick. Um, Gordon Hodgson. Danny Rose. Andy Thomas. Mike Williamson, uh, Ken Hale, Lewis Guy, Bill Whitehurst, Emery Verardi, and 10 somewhere, John Truick, and 11 was Kevin Brock. And I made the manager, um, Jim Smith. Great stuff, Mitch. Uh, right. I, I, do you want me other team? Me other team. All right. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. You, you did a pregnant pause, George, as if you'd finished. <laughs> That's not like me. <laughs> Never mind. Um, me me and offering is uh, uh, Shaka Hislop, um, Rear Ranson, um, Andy Griffin, <laughs> Danny Guthrie. Norman Dodgson, Dodgson uh, Joe Wilson, um, Billy Billy Whitehead, um, Les Ferdinand, and uh, come on, Paul Brayson and uh, Andy Carroll, and uh, I managed to get. Cheat a little bit with the. Uh, oh, sorry, the centre forward for that team. I couldn't find another one, so uh, I made Tommy, Tommy Wright into, a, into an outfield player because I gather he used to like playing <laughs> centre forward in training. So to, Tommy Wright sneaked in. Um, and Peterborough, um, Jack, oh, Jack Fair, Fair Brother, the old cup final goalkeeper, was, was my choice for goal. Uh, Seb Bassong, um, George Hare, the old uh, 1940s player. Um, Mick, Mick Martin, Stephen Taylor, Jim Ailey, Andy Donaldson, um, Tommy, Rob, Tommy Robson on the outside, uh, Stephen Taylor got in at centre-half, and... Uh, I, well, and that one I made the the the, the player manager um, for for old for what he did for us was Andy Donaldson. So that that's it. That's my offering for the three. Great stuff. Okay, Mitch. Yeah, I got three teams as well. But Oxford, I've got Hardwick and Goal, um, a back three of Mike Williamson, Danny Rose, and Gordon Hodgson, and then a midfield of Andy Thomas, John Truick, Kevin Brock, and Steve McLaren. Up front, Emery Verardi, Billy Whitehurst, and Dean Saunders. And I made the manager, Jim Smith. Uh, and then for Peterborough, uh, Ian Bennett and goal. Back three, Darren Bradshaw, Stephen Taylor and Seb Bassong. A midfield four of Jim Ailey, who I've got in as player manager. Mick Martin, David Roach and Andy Parkinson. And then up front, Ivan Tony, my good mate, Tony Loma. And the youthful Dwight Gale. And then finally for Redden, uh, Shaka Hislop and goal. Uh, full backs of Andy Griffin and Paul Borden. Centre backs Lewis Gibson 
if anybody remembers the young superstar yeah. that went to Everton yeah. and then Everyone. disappeared. And he sent a back part and Zorab Kijanisvili, who, you know, that's a name to conjure with. Uh, three midfielders are Danny Guthrie, Kevin Dillon and Michael O'Neill. And a forward three of Les Ferdinand, Andy Carroll and Mark McGee, all managed by Alan Pardew. Well, I'm going to be friendly and just do one team. Shakar uh, in goal, full-backs of super, 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 super Ray Ranson and uh, Andy Griffin, centre-halves Williamson and Steve Taylor. A midfield from the 80s was Proc, Kevin Dillon and Michael O'Neill. And a front three of Andy Carroll, Celeste Ferdinand and Mark McGee, managed by Jim Smith. All right, and Steve Wilkinson. Well, I'm glad Stu's not the only one that's doing one team because I've only got one team. I, was, I, had a, I had a go at getting some more, but uh, I just in the end of this. So my, my team is uh, combined team is Shaka Hislop in goal, Andy Griffin, Stephen Taylor, Mike Williamson, Seb Bassong at the back, Mick Martin, Jim Eilie, Kevin Brock in the midfield, and up front, Imri Verardi, Andy Carroll, Les Ferdinand, and I've got Jim Smith as manager as well. And Steve Hasty, last but by no means least, as I always I say. Ju- I just did one team as well. I put Shaka in goal. I went for a back three of Kishnashvili, Mike Williamson and Stephen Taylor. I went for a four in midfield, because a bit like Man City, this. Uh, I've got uh, I've got Andy Thomas, uh, Guthrie, uh, Danny Guthrie, that is, uh, Mick Martin and uh, Kevin Brock in the midfield. What a what a midfield that would have been. It would have knocked Man City to a, to a cocked hat. Uh, and then I've got up front, I've got uh, Verardi, Ferdinand and Michael O'Neill. And uh, had to go with a bald eagle, Jim Smith as a manager. Lads, been an absolute pleasure uh, tonight as always doing this. Uh, we're going to have a week off uh, next week and uh, obviously we're coming into the Christmas period. We've only got a couple more shows to go. We've got FA Cups to, to look at, FA Cup matches. We've got Barcelona as well. We've already pre-recorded the European night so uh, we'll uh, we'll be in touch in the group chat and arrange uh, the next one. But for now, lads, have a good night. Thanks for joining us as always and thanks to everybody for chipping in on the chat. Good night. Cheers, everyone. Talking to myself again Pretty cheap